Morning. How are you doing? Good? All right. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, good morning to you. Hey, before we get into our message, let me just take a, a minute or two here to just talk to you uh, myself a little bit about serving here at Renovation Church. We mentioned last week that because this church is growing so fast, we have 136 different volunteer slots that we're trying to fill. As of yesterday, we had filled 58 of them. So that puts us at 42% of the way there. Here's another fascinating stat for you, though. Of what we have left, 80% of the holes that we have are actually only on three teams. So there's three teams that just have a high, high need. Sometimes people ask, like, well, where's the need? I'll tell you where it is. Uh, uh, The first one is in Renovation Kids. Uh, That ministry has just exploded. People keep showing up here every Sunday with nine kids in their van, and then they can go to Renovation Kids. And so we need you to love kids, serve kids, teach kids, whatever you can do, any way to help out. That is huge. Second is our ushers team. This is our important team that helps people come and find a seat in here. Look around right now at how many people are in this room. It's July. Uh, half of our church is up north somewhere. And so th- this, the helping people find a seat and a spot easily is going to be so important, especially come fall. We need people to serve in that way. And then thirdly uh, is our crew team. Uh, these are the people that do really important behind-the-scenes work. If you're more of like a, I'm a behind-the-scenes person, not like, hey, how are you? We've got a spot for you. And it's the crew team. They're the people who put out all the papers on your seats. Next week, they'll come and they'll put out communion beforehand. If someone takes a Bible home, they replace the Bible. They do kind of the behind-the-scenes work in this room. And so that's also an area of a high need. So if you've been coming here for a while, maybe you've been coming for two months or four months or six months, and there's a ton of you in that boat, if, speaking of boats, if you've been stuck in cruise ship mode, which is how a lot of us as American Christians tend to interact with the church nowadays, right? We come, we kind of consume a message for us, and then we walk out. If you've been kind of stuck in cruise ship mode, today is the day to snap out of that, right? This is a different sort of American church, and what we will challenge you to do is we want you to come in here like Jesus would want you to come in here. And that's not as a consumer, it's as a servant. And so if you would, probably the best thing you can do is after the service, literally go out, look at the volunteer board, see what the actual holes and needs are left, and then find a way to serve like Jesus, okay? Awesome. Glad we have this talk. Okay, let's get into the book of Joshua. Uh, we, this summer as a church, are studying through this amazing book in the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua is where the Israelites begin to move into the promised land and conquer this land. Uh, So far, we've seen them miraculously cross the Jordan River. Uh, They went and fought the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, right? God did an amazing miracle. And then last week, we got to this really interesting chapter 7, where things just really started to go in a different direction. So what happened, if you weren't here, they conquered the city of Jericho, and God tells them very specifically, don't take any of the plunder, right? The, the, the precious metals go into the treasury of the Lord. Everything else is essentially to be burned. But then there's this Israelite named Achan who sees this Babylonian coat in the plunder and thinks, I just got to have that, right? And he sees all this silver and gold, and he takes a ton of plunder for himself. And then as a result of Achan's disobedience to the Lord, the Israelites fail miserably when they go and try and attack the city of Ai, And we spent last Sunday kind of in a heavy message talking about the effects of sin. But this Sunday, we're going to talk about how things bounce back and begin to turn around for the Israelites. Because Achan's sin, it's been dealt with. 
it is time to move on. Uh, in between chapter 7 and 8 in Joshua, it's sort of the spot of like, okay, what happens? And maybe some of you are in the spot right now. What happens after you confess your sin and say, I want to start living for the Lord again? And maybe some of you did that last week. You confessed to a spouse or to a friend or to a parent, and you said, I've been doing this. I'm walking in the wrong direction. I want to come back to Jesus. Okay, but like, what are the first couple steps that really matter? And this is what's great. And this is why I like teaching through a book of the Bible. Joshua chapter 8 actually gives us a decent framework for how you can bounce back and begin to see some of that passion in your life for the Lord again. I will tell you, though, let me just be honest at the outset. Bouncing back and walking with God again is hard. It just is. I mean, think about how hard it would have been even for the Israelites. So if you were them and you were walking across the Jordan River as the Lord miraculously walled up the water, how just sky high would your faith be in that moment? And then you saw the Lord miraculously knock down the walls of Jericho, you'd be like, yeah, there's nothing that God can't do. But then sin enters the camp and they begin to just feel the effects and the devastation of sin, right? And we read last week, it says that they lost their courage. In fact, it said their hearts melted in fear. And from that moment, it's kind of actually hard to come back. But here's the thing. You are going to fail as a Christian. You're going to have seasons of life even. It might be months. It could be even two years of your life where you just feel like, I'm not strongly walking with the Lord. I'm messing up. My life is just kind of messy right now. I'm just telling you right now, welcome to humanity, okay? So when that happens, though, you don't want your life to just coast in that direction for the next 25 years. You want to passionately bounce back and start walking with the Lord again. How do you do that? Joshua chapter 8. Okay, all right. So grab a Bible. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you. If you're in the front row, it's under your chair. Uh, We're going to be on page 150, or if you brought your own Bible, we're in Joshua chapter 8. Uh, We want you to grab it. We don't put it on the screen or anything because we want you to hold it, study it, be in God's word. Uh, We're going to start with just verse 1, actually, because there's a ton packed in just this one little verse of scripture. Uh, Here's what it says. It says, Then the Lord, so this is right after Achan's sin, where he stole the plunder and all that stuff has happened. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Don't be, excuse me, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Okay, so what's the first step here? How do we see God telling Joshua and the Israelites to, to bounce back? God says, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. And that's the first piece. So if you're taking notes today, I always encourage you to do so. Even if you throw it away on the way out of here, it helps you remember what you hear. Number one is this, how to bounce back. Don't be discouraged. Or afraid. What's interesting about this is there's actually a nod here to the past and to the future. So let's let's start with the past. God says to the Israelites, you can't get discouraged about this sin that happened in your lives, about the sin that happened in the past. And the same is true for you, Christians. You cannot let your past sin paralyze you from walking into the future. Some of you, you're letting that happen in your life right now. You're going, you know what? Two years ago, I messed up our marriage. I messed up. Or you're going, "I, I lost my job, and it was my fault. And you're just dwelling on it. Or you're dwelling on a particular sin that happened in the past. But here's the teaching of the word. 
if you are like the Israelites, you are actually confessing. And the Bible says you don't just confess your sin, you repent. Repentance is more than confession. It's confession and a turning back to God. And you start walking in it. Saying, if you're doing that, do not be discouraged about the sin of your past. Okay, why? Why is God saying that so strongly to Joshua right now? Now, we read last week, it's not because... He doesn't care about sin. He cares very much about sin. It's because now their sin has been dealt with. Achan has confessed. Justice has been served. It is the same for the Christian, for the Christ follower. In fact, to to those of you in this room, which is most of you that are passionate about following Jesus, let me ask you a very specific question. If you've confessed your sin to Jesus, do you believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross? Do you believe that? Do, you can answer me. Okay. If you believe that, then you've got to leave your sins there, nailed to the cross. The problem is, in our discouragement, we take them back, and we nail them back to ourselves. But the Bible says, do not be discouraged. Because you cannot bounce back, like we're going to see the Israelites do here, if you take those sins back that Jesus paid for, and you begin beating yourself up for them again, and nailing them back to you, to the ground. You're not going to bounce up that way. If you believe that Jesus Christ has paid for your sins, then you leave them on the cross, okay? That's do not be discouraged. It's interesting, though. The Word of God also says, do not be afraid, And I love this because God knows that we need help with our past and he knows that we need help with our future because we tend to just kind of, I don't know, struggle with both of them. And so God starts talking about the future. He says, do not be afraid. And he actually tells Joshua why he doesn't need to be afraid. In verse one, he says, I have given the city of I into your hands. And so Joshua actually literally has nothing to fear here because he said, you're going to fight this battle. And I'm, I'm promising you right now, you will have future victory. Okay, so what would he even need to be afraid for? Now, the same is true for you as a Christian. Your future victory has been secured. Now, don't twist this into some sort of prosperity gospel, right? Where you're like, well, that means I'm going to get rich or get a good job. That's not what it's saying. What the Bible talks about is actually much more important than that. It's saying, as a Christian, your future victory, your forever victory over sin is secure. That is your salvation. In God. And the great thing is, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that as a deposit, as proof, as evidence that your future victory is secure, the Lord has sent you the Holy Spirit who is going to walk with you in this life and help you not fear. Uh, author Dane Ortland, he explains it this way. He says, you can, you can picture this truth kind of like a dad walking along the ocean beach with his three-year-old son. And as they walk along, the wave starts to come, and it starts to knock the three-year-old off his footing a little bit, and he kind of gets back up. And then a bigger wave comes, and the three-year-old begins to lose his grip on his dad's hand. Now, is the young boy going to fall? No. He might begin losing his grip, right? But even if the child himself starts to fall, his father, with his strong grip, is never going to let go. And that is the truth of God's word. And it's why you don't need to fear when you want to bounce back in your faith again. Because even if you had a season where you let go, your father never let go. He never let go. 
He still got you. So you cannot, as a Christian, you cannot be discouraged about the past because the word says Jesus has paid for your sins. And you do not need to fear the future because God is with you. You know, we say often that we believe that the Bible is a lamp of truth in the darkness. And so what you want this morning, because we tell ourselves all sorts of lies, especially in the dark. What you want is you want this to begin penetrating and permeating your mind and your heart with these truths. You do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Okay? All right. Now, as you start walking with it again, we actually get some more advice here on how to do that, specifically when it comes to God's timing and his direction. So let's keep reading it. We're uh, verse 2. Okay. It says, this is the Lord again speaking to Joshua. You shall do to I and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack I. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. And I, excuse me, I and all those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say, they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it. You have my orders. Okay, so within this narrative, we see actually the second way that you begin to just bounce back and really learn to walk with the Lord again, and that is number two. If you're going to back, back, bounce back, you've got to walk in God's timing and also in God's direction. It's actually a really fascinating part of verse two. So look at, take your eyes and look at verse two again. In, in verse two, uh, look at this. They go to the city of Ai, and what, what are they supposed to do with the plunder this time? Somebody shout it out. What are they supposed to do? Take it. What? The reason that we're in this mess in the first place is because in Jericho, right, Achan took the plunder. And that's the, so why now can they take the plunder? Right? Well, yeah, there's this idea of you see that in, in the beginning, in Jericho, it could be that there's a first fruits, Right? There's a first fruits idea that the Lord has said, this is the beginning, you give the first fruits to me, you devote it to me. It may be that God is just testing them in their obedience. It, it may be just simple and practical. Maybe their supplies are running low and the Lord needs, they need it at this point. In any case, they needed to trust in God's timing. Here's a crazy thing though. Achan's sin of taking the plunder at Jericho now looks incredibly foolish and short-sighted. Think about this. Achan could have had everything his heart desired if he just would have waited on the Lord's timing for a few days. And when you're coming back to God, you've got to remember this truth. We all need to remember this truth. We've got to trust and wait on his timing. My friend, do not seek the pleasures of the world just because they look available to you right now. Some of you in this room, you're looking for work right now. And maybe there's an opportunity for you at a certain environment, and it looks good, and maybe the money's okay, but you know that that particular environment would begin to draw your heart away from Jesus. You wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord's timing. To the single people in the room, 
wait, my friend. You wait for God to bring that godly man or that godly woman into your life. So all of us, we wait. We walk in God's timing. I just tell you, as a pastor, I've just watched too many times as Christians, in their impatience, have plunged into sin like Achan, only to create a mess for themselves, a mess that they could have avoided if they just would have waited just a little bit for the amazing things that God has in store for those who wait. And so it's important that we, we walk in God's timing. But also what we see in this passage is we need to walk in God's direction. You know, what's fascinating to me about this particular chapter is just the detailed directions that God gives them on battle, right? And so you kind of, they're supposed to walk up to the city, lure them away, and then there's this ambush, right? How interesting is this? This is nothing, and I really mean nothing, like the battle plan at Jericho, right? That was march around the cities, play some trumpets. It's just, there's literally nothing alike. But here's the thing. God is not a formula. God is not a formula. So this is not... Christianity is not paganism, where there's some sort of rigid incantations you recite, and then the spiritual powers do your bidding. Do y'all see those pictures in the news or on the internet this week about from the new pictures of the colored pictures of the universe and all that? Wasn't that amazing, right? You can't look at that and say, you know what? If I just do A plus B, God will do C. No way, right? God is God, not us. And so if you're going to start walking with him, you've got to let go of this idea of, like, I know how it's going to work. Because it might just not be the same as it worked last time. Jericho and I are so different. It might not be the same as it was for someone else's journey. You've got to press into him and say, Lord, what now? What are you doing right now? One of the things we talk about almost every week is you've got to be in this almost every day. Every day if you can. Learning. You know, God speaks from his word. You want to be in prayer. You want to do less talking in prayer. You want to say, Lord, lead me. Where do I need to go? And he'll lead you to amazing places. Remember, the theme of the book of Joshua is this book teaches us how to walk closely with our God in the promised land of faith. And so much of that, if you want to boil that down, so much of that is just about listening and obedience. Listening in obedience. I think of our uh, Tanzania team. We just got back about a week and a half ago uh, from Eastern Africa. And I, it was just such a joy to serve with those people in our church and just see the amazing things that God did through their lives. And yet, I, I, when I think about them, and I think about listening in obedience, I just see that. Because the Lord, many months ago, and in some cases, even years ago, began to whisper to their hearts and say, I want you to go to Africa. I want you to go. And listen, these are regular people. It's not like all of them are like, yes, Lord, I will do whatever you say. Well, we have objections, right? Many of them said, I I would have to give up most of my vacation time from work to do that. Many of the people, we have a lot of young people in this church. Many of the people left little ones at home. Now, there's another parent there. They weren't like completely by themselves, but right? They... That's, but that's a sacrifice to be gone for a week and a half and you have little kids. They had fears. They had objections. But they said, God, I'm going to press into your timing and your direction. I'm going to go. And what's so amazing is they got to do God do amazing things. Do you remember when we were in Joshua chapter 3? That was our title, How to See God Do Amazing Things. And we said one of the things you do is you have to step out in faith. You kind of put your foot in the Jordan River and that's when you see it. 
And what's cool for these people that went is they got to see God do things that I don't even think they thought would be remotely possible a week earlier. Through them in their own lives. Every day, they shared their testimonies on the streets of Tanzania with a microphone at a marketplace. You know, I, I shared with some of you about this, but I think there's one of our team members who is uh, sharing their testimony uh, on the street. It's a marketplace. There's about 300 people there. It's the hustle and bustle of Africa. People are kind of walking here and there along the streets. And as they were sharing their testimony and sharing the gospel about how God loves us and Jesus died for us, there was a man who was walking by. He was just walking on the street. And unbeknownst to us, he was in a deep, deep depression. In fact, he was literally on the way to take his life. And as he would, how is this for God's sovereignty? As he's walking by, he hears about Jesus Christ and that God loves him. He's seen his sin. He cares for him and that he can turn his life around. And this man literally, literally turned around and came back and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Yes. It is amazing. But one of the things that I think is just as amazing, if you were to trace all the spiritual pathways to that, there were probably 10, or for that particular team member that was on the microphone, there were probably 10 to 15 different steps of obedience that preceded that. Right? You could go back a year, like, I'm sorry, God, you want me to go where? Even that day, like, you, there's 300 people here. You want me to talk right now? And, like, explain the gospel right now? And yet, when you follow his timing, you follow his unique direction for that moment, you get to say, just see amazing things. So I would just ask you, what is God saying to you right now? If you don't know, spend some time with him. What is he saying to you right now? Where is he telling you to go? What's he telling you to do? And do it. Trust him. And you got to go even if he's leading you to someplace scary. And that's what we learned from the next section. So let's keep reading now. We're, I'm actually going to jump over verses 9 through 12 as Joshua's just kind of getting the army ready. So let's jump to 13 here. It says this. So the soldiers took up their positions with the main camp to the north of the city and the ambush to the west of it. That night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been sent against, set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled toward the wilderness. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out toward Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out toward the city the javelin that was in his hand. As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. Now, uh, for time's sake, I'm going to kind of summarize the, the, the remaining part of this. But basically, the, the, the army of Ai finds themselves caught in a trap, right? They're in the middle of two divisions in the army, and they are quickly defeated by the Israelites, and the victory goes to the Lord's people. But in this particular section, there is a principle for Christians that we cannot miss. 
especially for those of you that are beginning to just come back to the Lord again in your life. So think about the context of this. We just read last week, Joshua chapter 7, that the Israelites suffered an embarrassing, I would even say humiliating loss at the city of Ai. It was an awful moment for them. Right? But then they, they kind of they work the steps. They confess their sin. They get right with God. Right? They're, they're pressing into him. They're looking for his direction. They're letting go of discouragement and fear. They're doing all the right things. And then God gives them direction. And where does he send them? He could have sent them anywhere, right? Do you know, there are like a hundred different cities they could go to in the promised land. Where does God send them? He sends them right back to their place of failure. And how interesting is that? And that's another biblical principle we get from Joshua chapter 8. Number three, you really want to bounce back? You've got to believe this. Believe that God can bring victory in the place of your defeat. I don't know the timing of it. It may be now. It may be much later. But I know that God can do that. And I also know that God, just as from what we read in the narrative of the Bible, God is actually uniquely interested in this very thing. So think about this. You have all these cities in the promised land. The city of Ai actually would have been the hardest city at that moment for the Israelites to conquer. Why? Well, there's no element of surprise anymore. Right, the army of Ai, they are in high alert mode. They are ready for the Israelites to come back. Not only that, now they are confident. They're like, oh, we just we routed these guys last time. There's no problem. We'll easily defeat them. And you've got to believe, too, that Israel's spiritual enemy, the devil, was probably whispering in their ear saying, I wouldn't go to Ai. Why would you go to Ai? You remember last time? That was embarrassing for you. You were just utterly defeated. And watch out if I were you. And listen, maybe the enemy has been telling you the same lies this week about your past failures. And he's saying, you can't fix that. That's been a mess your whole life. Why would you start working on that? You've only screwed up there. You're never going to get victory there. I'd watch out. I wouldn't touch that. You know what the Lord says? The Lord is telling you this morning that you go and you send that snake a message. And you tell him, I'm bouncing back. And you know what? It's different this time. Because now I am walking in his direction and I am walking in his power. So you better watch out. That is the truth of God. God is a God of redemption. He is a God of turnarounds. He is a God of renovation. One of the things we see about the Lord is he is so interested in taking old, broken things and in those very broken things, renewing them, renovating them, and making them new. But see, some of you, you're stuck in unbelief right now, and you're going, yeah, I can't do that. I can't love my husband anymore. I just can't. It's a mess. It's been a mess for a long time. I have tried. I have tried. I, I only fail there. I can't. And I'm telling, you, I'm telling you right now, you can. God can do that in you. He is the God of redemption. He is a God of victory. Some of you are going, I cannot stop living in fear. It is destroying me. Every day, like my anxiety grows, I just cannot get over it. And I am telling you, you can. 
God can give you courage. And one of the reasons I know that is because I see in his word that the Lord loves to bring victory where there was once defeat. And I think he does that because that's often where it is the most obvious to us that only he could get the glory there. Because that's who he is. You know, I was so struck uh, last week. I know many of you were here in this service and I was just really struck by Alexi from our church. When she got up here, I don't know if she's in the service right now, but thank you for your testimony. When she came up here and she just, through very vulnerable uh, and very bravely shared about having a miscarriage. Which is, if you have been there, and I know many of you have, is so painful and is so difficult. But one of the hardest things about that season is it's really hard to go back and try again, right? In part because, let's just be honest, we don't know the Lord's will. We don't. But there she was, standing right here, getting ready to get baptized and speaking of the Lord's goodness as she was eight months pregnant. And I just think, listen, we don't, we don't, we gotta be honest, right? There's humility in our faith. We don't know the Lord's will, And yet we are still, as Christ followers, called to walk in faith, even up to the city where we've been defeated before. And if you have begun to confess your sin to God again, you're repenting, you're turning around, you're trying to bounce back, you're trying to come back to him, let me just encourage you for a moment. You can. Because I have seen God do it all over the place. I look around this room, I know so many of you. I know many of you well. And I will tell you, there are people in this room who have seen God bring major victory where there was once defeat. I mean, they had, if you're going like, oh, all these people are perfect, they live perfect lives, I'm telling you, they are messy, okay? (laughs) And they have had, some, so many of us have had humiliating defeats in the city of Ai. And yet when we invited the Lord back in to take the reins and take control, God brought victory where there was defeat because that's who he is. I look around, I see former addicts in this room. I see some people who couldn't go more than 24 hours without going back to their substance. They knew it was ruining their life. They, went, they kept going back to it. I see people like that in this room right now, but they let Jesus Christ into their lives again to lead their life, and now their job has been restored, their marriage has been restored, their family has been restored, their life has been restored. Where there was once defeat, now there is victory because God loves to do that. I look around this room, I see some people who actually used to hate, I mean hate, their family, their extended family. Worst day of the year, Thanksgiving, right? Christmas, right? Getting to just so much pain there that there was hate. And yet they invited us at Holy Spirit, take over my life, begin giving me your fruit, begin changing me. And where there was once defeat, he brought victory. And now they can literally look at their family with love. And through that, through that one person, God is changing their family from the inside out. I mean, goodness, you are listening, literally listening to someone speak right now who used to use his voice to mock Christians and tear them down. And yet... Here I am, and God is using the same voice to build them up. He is the God of redemption. 
And there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that he can't do. So if you're going, no, 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 he couldn't do that. He can. He is the God of redemption. He will do it. So you bounce back. Let's go. Let's trust him. All right? All right. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We believe in you, God. You are not a theoretical concept to us. You are the king of kings. You are the creator of galaxies, Lord. And so we put our trust in you this morning. And we believe, God, that you can bring us back. And we are just so thankful for your mercy. We don't deserve it, but we are grateful for it. That's in your name we pray. Amen.